That was so special that you guys would bless us that way. That was really meaningful to hear um, your voices and to hear you worshiping Jesus on this Christmas day. You guys did a great job. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. I'm going to sit today because we're just going to have a short little devotional as a family. Uh, we're just going to think about God's love. You know, we're, we're, we're going to try to make it short. You know that that doesn't always go as planned. But um, I just, really, the goal of this morning is for you and your family to meditate on just how much God loves you and just how much God loves you on this Christmas, okay? I'm not going to bring you anything that's probably unique or new. I'm not very good at that anyways. God's word is enduring and true. Uh, but we forget this, okay? We, we forget this as Christians. We forget just how much God loves us and just how much this actually should impact our lives. And so my goal is just to help you meditate on something that you already know, just as how, just to meditate how God just so, so, so loves his children. Okay, just as you're, you know, if you're a parent, and you saw your child up here, your grandchild up here singing, and your heart is just full of joy and encouragement, that's how God feels towards his children. Okay, and I just don't want you to lose sight of that. So in order to do that, in order to kind of bring to mind something that you already know, something that's familiar, something we take for granted. I'm going to try to do that by pairing it with one of the most known passages, one of the passages that we also take for granted, all right? Maybe between the two, you'll be encouraged. And so would you please turn with me to John 3.16? John 3.16. Now, um, let's see, kids. Kids, can you guys look up, up, look over here? Look up at me. Look at my five fingers. Kids, this is a message for you, okay? I'm so glad that you could be here and listening to God's word. This is really good for you. And I also am going to need your help. I need your help. Sometimes I'm not very good at reading, okay? Sometimes I'm not very good at reading and I get my words wrong. But you guys can get to help me. So um, I know this passage is probably familiar to some of you. Can you raise your hand if you have at least some of John 3.16 memorized? So if you're here and you are, you know, a child, if you have John 3.16 a little bit memorized, can you raise your hand? Maybe you have some of it. Okay. I see a couple hands there. I think more of you probably do than that, but that's all right. You'll help me, okay, as best as you can, because I'm going to need your help. Now, why this passage? Why would I choose John 3.16 on Christmas morning? Well, it is Christmas, right? It is Christmas. And what is Christmas but a celebration of Jesus coming into the world, the God of the universe coming in the form of a baby to ransom his people. And so this passage is so important because it reminds us why Jesus came and why we can celebrate a day like today with joy. Okay, I think it was Chesterton, you know, I could be misquoting him right here, but I think it's Chesterton that said that there's nothing more Christian than to celebrate Christmas. And that's true. Okay, we as Christians have hope when we celebrate Christmas that the world does not have. And so what this passage tells us in John 3.16 is that Christmas is actually motivated by love, right? We know this, for God so loved the world. So that's what we're going to focus on, God so loved the world. We're going to see why, and hopefully you'll be just encouraged by the magnitude of God's love this morning. Now, because we know it, we know that God loves us, but we don't act like it. And so this morning, I'm just encouraging you to live as if God loves you. Okay? That is what Christmas is today, to live, that your houses and your homes would be full of God's love this morning. So let's go ahead and pray and meditate on God's love this morning. Most Heavenly Father, we 
Um, thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for the perfect sacrifice that was shed on our behalf. Father, on this morning, would you forgive us for making Christmas about anything but your son, Jesus Christ, but that everything that we do would be done uh, in love just as you have loved us and you acted first towards us. So, Father, help us to celebrate with joy, celebrate with thanksgiving. And, Lord, may we be encouraged, Lord, no matter what we're going through today as a church, no matter what we may go through individually, Lord, that your love towards us, towards your precious children, is all that we need. So, Father, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to stand up because I tried to do the sitting. I just don't think it works for me. So, um, let's start going to our passage, right? So, I'm going to give you four meditations. This is it. Four meditations of God's, so help you meditate on God's love on Christmas. So, the very first one, okay, kids, I need your help. How does the passage go? Is it, for John so loved, wait, no, that's not something. For, for Pastor Josh so loved the world? No, that's not easy. How does it go? Can any kids help me? Anyone want to say it out loud? For who loves the world? God. For God so loved the world. Very good. It's God who loved the world. So the first meditation, okay, consider, consider church, consider who it is that loves you. Consider who it is that loves you. It is God himself. God's love is greater than any human love. And we take that for granted. But we shouldn't because why? Who is God? Who is God? He is the king of all creation. He stands supreme, exalted over, exalted over all. He is eternal. There is no beginning to God. There is no end. He is infinite. Okay, and so it stands to reason that all of his attributes are likewise too, which means that God's love is also eternal. It's also infinite. God's love knows no end, knows no, no beginning. His love is immeasurable. If you try to measure it, you would not be able to. And so remember that it is God who loves you. And God's love is unlike any love that we have because God is the one who stands over all. To remember, especially kids, remember, God's love is always better. All of you, all of you here this morning, I know for a fact, have received plenty of love. People have loved you. Our church has loved you. Families have loved you, right? We've all received human love. The problem is, right, that even that falls short. We've all been loved, and even by our closest family members, even by our closest ones, we know that it fails. We know that even our best attempts at being loved and at loving others are marred with sin. We know that even those who are closest to us have wounded us deeply. They have disappointed us. Okay, is that not so? Is that not so? It is so. But God's love is not like that. God's love is not like that. It is free from sin because God is holy. It is free from selfishness. It is free from conditions. God loved you before you loved him. God's love is enduring and pure, unlike any other human love that you might be so seeking after. God's love is already, though, it's already that of, for his children. And so if you have been hurt, okay, if you've been hurt this morning by loved ones, if there's conflict, even in families, where even celebrating Christmas is difficult, Okay, remember, it would really do you good to remember, God's love will never, 
ever fail for his children. Now, kids, do you know how much your parents love you? Do you know? Do you know how much they love you? They love you so much, and I know that because I get to do life with them. But I want you to think about this. Your parents love you so much that God loves you even more than that. Is that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Your parents love you so, so much, but God loves you so much more than that. Remember, God's love knows no end, and I want you to never, ever forget that. All right? So that's number one. Remember who it is that loves you. It's not just any person. Okay? It's not just any man. It is God himself who loves you. Number two, consider who it is that God loves. Consider who it is that God loves, all right? So kids, again, I'm going to need your help. So now we figured out. It's God. So for God so loved the good people. Wait, no, that's not right. For God, oh, what, what is it? The world. Thank you, Gracie. For God so loved the world. I thought it was for God so loved the people who never sinned. But that's not it, right? It's for God so loved the world. Okay, this is a principle that I want you to think of this morning. The principle is the harder someone is to love, the more love you have to extend towards them, right? And that's true. Yeah, isn't that true? We all know this in our lives. The harder somebody is to love, the more love we have to extend towards them. And guess what? We're not very lovable, right? Even this Christmas morning, we have to remember that. We have to remember that we're not very lovable people. And so, in order for us to really consider who it is that God loves, let me contrast a little bit. How God loves versus how we love. Okay, how do you love? How do you love? Let's think of who you love, who it's easy to love. It's easy for you to love someone who's just like you, isn't it? Someone who shares your interests, someone who, you know, thinks like you, right? It's really easy to think of gifts for somebody who is just into everything that you are. So now think about it from God's perspective. God loves somebody who is unlike him. There's nothing, there's no one, nothing like God. He stands exalted again. There's nothing in us, there's no condition in us, no position that we possess that makes us lovable in God's sight other than the fact that he is the one who made us. So there's no standing that we, put, that we have that should compel us to love him to love us. Now secondly, think about how you love again. It's easy for us to love people who deserve it, right? People who deserve it, people who have proven over many, many years to be faithful, to have loved us, to have given up for us, right? Those people, it's really easy for us to be able to love them. If they deserve it, then it's easy for us to do that. Now, have you done that towards God? Big no, right? We have not done that towards God. On our own, we have not, earned, we have not merited or earned God's love. We do not deserve it. And yet, God has given us the greatest gift when we have not given him anything first, and we cannot give him anything back. Again, a deserving man may be easy to love, but one's enemy would not be easy to love. Okay, it is hard to love your enemies. And I know some of you are here sitting and thinking, I think I could love my enemy. I think I could do that. Well, I want you to think again, all right? Don't you have a hard time already loving your spouse as it is? Don't you already have a hard time loving your brother and sister who keeps on sinning against you? Kids, don't you have a hard time even loving your parents when they, when they don't give you what you want? So let's be humble and recognize it's really hard to love 
even those who are closest to us sometimes. How can we love our enemy, somebody who actually wants us and wishes us harm, who stands opposed against us, who wants to see us suffer? Apart from Christ, that is who you are. Okay, it would take a lot. It would take a lot even for you to die for a friend, wouldn't it? To give your life for a friend. But think, imagine giving your life for a criminal who's in prison, who deserves it, and who's rotting in prison. And you say, I am going to give my life for that person. That's what God has done towards us. We consider the greatness of God's love, not just because God is great, and so we know his love is great because of who he is. We also see his love is great because of who he chose to love. He didn't choose to love the deserving ones, right? The, um, the pleasing ones. He didn't choose to, uh, to love the ones who are lovely and deserving of it. He chose to love his enemies, and that was you. If you're in Christ, okay, that was still you. And I want you to think about it for a moment, too. Like, I should have said this at the beginning, and I just totally blanked it. If you're going to experience God's love to its fullness, to its fullest, you have to be his son or his daughter. You have to be his. If you are here, and God has blessed you, and you have rejected his son, and you have rejected his message of salvation, and you have lived for your own, for yourself, not for God, despite of everything that he's done for you, think about it. God has sent his son, and you have not lived for him. You have chosen to go your own way and not trusted him, not given your life, not repented of your sins. If that's you this morning, think just how gracious God has been already to you, to somebody who has rejected him. So already think of God's love towards those who have rejected him, and then think, how much more could I experience the blessings of God in the fullness if I actually experience the blessings of it as a child? as one who will inherit the blessings of God, the eternal inheritance that awaits for us children, the blessings of God that he is with us now, that we can be free from the penalty of our sins, that we can have a, a, a free conscience, not a guilty one. All of these blessings are that for his children. And so if you're not a child of his, you will never experience just the fullness of what God's love is. So I got a little maybe ahead of myself, but... Consider, church, consider who it is that God loves. He loves the world. He loves sinners. He has loved you. He has loved you. Now, consider, next thing we're going to see. So, for God to love the world, that he gave. He gave. Okay? Just see really quickly. I want you to see that his love actually compels him to action. His love is not just a passive love. It's an active love that says, I am going to give. See how God acted first. See how God acted first. Okay, so next up we see, number three, consider the cost of his love. Consider the cost of his love. All right, kids, I need your help again. For God so loved the world that he gave his right arm? No. His only son. Very good, okay? Not $1,000, right? Not, no, not anything else like that. He gave his only son. He gave his only son. Very good. It's just the joy as a father to have your son say that, right? Love is always costly. Love is always costly. Okay, and this is the other principle I want you to think about. Sacrifice is always required where love is present. Sacrifice is always going to be required. 
You cannot love somebody if you're not willing to sacrifice for them. So where there is no sacrifice of yourself, there's not going to be love. And so consider, consider God's love for you. What did it cost him? What did it cost him to save you? It cost him the life of his only son. All right, parents, think about it for you. Think about your love for your children. Think about for your love for your grandchildren, for your grandparent here. All right, what wouldn't you do to protect your children? Right, I have two little ones at home who are not feeling good this morning, who are sick, and it's just like, what wouldn't I do? I would rather take on what they're feeling on myself, right? That's the love of a father towards his children. Is I, want, I want this to go away. I would rather be the one who's suffering. What wouldn't you do? And so see God's affection for his children, right? When he let his son, he took it upon himself and he let his son suffer on your behalf. So God gave his son. And then think about it from the second person of the Trinity, Jesus himself, God himself. What did it cost him? What did it cost Christ? It cost him his own life, his very life. So as you think about, well, maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe God doesn't love me. Think about, what did it cost him to gain you, to love you? What, what, what sacrifice did he make? Again, not just any sacrifice. The God of the universe had to be sacrificed for you. That's how great your sins were. The most exalted one had to die for you. That's how great your sins were. Only God would satisfy. satisfy. That penalty was so great you could never pay it. And so God had to give the ultimate sacrifice in order to save you. Which means that if we're going to look at how great the sacrifice is, if the level of sacrifice tells us just how great the love is, then there's nothing greater than the love of God. Because there's no greater sacrifice that could be given than God himself in the life of Jesus. That's how much God loves your church. And fourthly, this is the fourth one. Okay, think, think of why. Consider why he paid the price. This great sacrifice, why did he do it? So kids, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have a lot of candy? No. Would have a lot of happiness? Eternal life. Thank you, Lillian. Eternal life. Okay, eternal life. That's what God accomplishes by sending his son. Christmas is all about how we celebrate that Jesus came, but he didn't just come and, you know, not accomplish anything. His arrival accomplished something. He was sent with a purpose, and that is to save people for himself, to bring his children to himself. Now, the gospel, Jesus' life, the cross, primarily, you know, it's about this, he wanted to display his glory. But if you're here, especially if you're from a, you know, a Reformed uh, background and you're you know, really zealous about theology, what I don't want you to do is be unfeeling. What I don't want you to do is just be cold and say, well, God just came to display his glory, and that's all that there was to it. As if there was no love when God was thinking of his children and how he wanted to display his glory. But not just his glory, his love too. So think of God's affection too. God's glory is full of affection for his children. So your heart should be full of affection too. So why did he send Jesus? Why did he send Jesus? He sent Jesus to show how much for God so loved the world. Now the question I want to ask you with this is, 
what does God gain? What does God gain in sending Jesus and in giving you eternal life? Like, what could, you know, what, is, what does it benefit him? Okay, he doesn't need you. He is self-sufficient on his own. He doesn't need anybody or anything to add to his glory, right? He could have just decided, I'm going to display my glory. I'm going to love these people. I'm going to bless them for a little while, and then, you know what? That's good. They can kind of do their own thing. But that is not what God has chosen to do. His death accomplishes so much more. He saved you to grant you eternal life with him. With him. So what does God gain in saving you? Church, he gains you. He gains you. He wants you specifically that if you would believe on Jesus Christ, he wants you to be with him for all of eternity. That is how much he loves you. As a father who just longs to spend time with his children, and just especially thinking of the Christmas season, how special it is to spend time with your own children, that's how much God longs for you, that you would, he, you would be with him for all of eternity, that he would not want any of his children to be forsaken, but to be with him forever. And so he made the ultimate sacrifice to accomplish it. That's what God wants. God, the God of the universe, the one who made the greatest sacrifice, okay, the one who loved those who were, are lovable, wants you. That's what God wants. He wants to be with you. So let me ask you, is that what you want? Is that what you want? Do you desire to be with God forever? That's what heaven is, right? And so this Christmas, when you think of Christmas and today, is just a small picture of heaven. Today is a celebration of the fact that God came, that God is with us. God has come. And so we think about the time when we will go to him for all of eternity. Christmas is a picture of heaven, to being with God and our Father forever. That is what God has done for you, to gain you. And now you just have to ask yourself, today what does that mean for you? How does that affect you? What will you do about that? God has been kind and gracious to show you this love. Don't waste it. Don't live as if it's not true. Don't live as if you're on your own and you have to just do life on your own. Don't do that because God loves you, wants to be there for you. Okay, if God has shown you great love, church, shouldn't you love him? Men, would you love him with affection? Women, would you love him with faith? Would you love your Savior? Children, children, listen to me. Would you love God? I want to just call you and remind you to love God who loves you so much. If you really understand God's love for you, everything should change, right? The motivations for why you do things, for why you're here, for why you work, for how you love those who are hard to love, or how you interact with your family member, all of it should be changed. Because you didn't deserve God's love, and he gave you the greatest gift that you could have received. So let God's love motivate everything that you do. And lastly, let me just ask you this. If God so loved you, shouldn't you believe him? Shouldn't you believe him? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe on him. So church, this morning I want to exhort you, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
That means that if you're here and you have not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as the only one who could take away a penalty for your sins, as the only one who could do what you cannot do, that is the call for you today. That there is nothing better that you could do on Christmas. There's no better way to honor God in Christmas than by believing and putting your faith and trust in Him. So do that. Would you do that? And if you have believed, do you have believed on Him as your Savior? Would you believe everything that He says is true? Would we, leave, would we live church as people who walk, who talk, as if everything here written in God's Word is true and is helpful and is true? Not just the easy parts, right? Not just the easy parts, not just our favorite verses, but all of it. That whatever trial may come, that whatever hard season is here, that whatever loss we may experience, that we would remember that it is true that God's love endures forever and that nothing will ever separate you from God's love. That's my call to you this Christmas. You really are loved. So Merry Christmas, church. Let's pray, and then we will sing one last song. Most Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. Father, it should just, it should humble us, Lord, to know that the one who made all things would choose to show us such great grace. Father, may the fact that you have loved us first when we were not lovable, Lord, may that motivate us and may that spur us on towards obedience towards a life that is uh, fully devoted to you, towards a life of love towards others, Lord, towards sacrifice for your sake, towards faith in your word. Lord, this Christmas I pray that all of our homes would abound in your love, that we would love you, uh, Lord, as you have loved us. And Father, for those of us who are struggling, Lord, even today with this truth, Lord, I pray that you would exhort us and be with us and that you would open up our eyes to confirm that truth in our hearts. Lord, that if we are your children, you've given everything up for us. Father, remind us that nothing will separate us from the love of Christ, as Romans tells us, that there's no tribulation, there's no distress, there's no persecution, no famine, no nakedness, no danger, no sword, Father, no, we know that no death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, Lord, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. May that be true for us in our homes. We praise you. We ask you for your help in Jesus' name. Amen.